Uh, how many of you guys had a good Thanksgiving? You had a good Thanksgiving? Yep. How many of you guys had some crazy family dynamics during the midst of Thanksgiving? A little bit of drama? Yeah. Such is life. In fact, uh, years ago when Jamie and I were first married, um, the way we celebrated Christmas was we went to my grandmother's. And my uncle and... Uh, and uh, my mom and and uh, and my uncle um, was my uncle did some a little bit of time in, in in jail because of when he was a teenager he borrowed my grandmother's car and had an accident in the middle of the night and uh, somebody lost their life in the process of it and so my uncle kind of he was my favorite person on the planet Uncle Jeff and um, and he married this sweet gal and they never had kids but. Um, this particular Christmas, it was interesting. We were opening gifts. We were at my grandmother's, and there came a knock at the door. And so we were all like, who's knocking on our door at Christmas when we're opening gifts? And uh, my uncle's there. Mimi and Pop are there, and Jamie and I, and uh, we didn't have any kids yet. And my grandmother opened the door, and this lady standing there with her husband and her two kids, and she goes, hi, Mama. <laughs> and uh, my grandmother said, I'm sorry. And she goes, I'm your granddaughter. And she says, I'm the daughter of my uncle. His name was Jeff. And, uh, and Uncle Jeff is sitting right there in the living room. He gets up and says, uh, what? I don't think so. And obviously in my uncle's teenage years, he had had some relationships. And, and uh, a baby came from it that he didn't know about. And here's this gal shows up some 20-something years later, 25 years later, with her husband and her two kids looking for her daddy. In each and every one of us, there's this desire for family, for real relationship. This lady went looking for her daddy. She's married, she's got kids, but she came looking at Christmas of all times, knocking on the door. I thought my grandmother was gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> In fact, no one knew what to do. It's like, do we invite them in for presents? Is this person a fake? And so my uncle went outside, had a little conversation, came back in, ended up, you know, running DNA tests, and that absolutely was his daughter, and he embraced her and her family as such. I just want you to know that each and every one of us have this thing that we're seeking a relationship with the one who brought us into the world. There's something inside of each and every one of us. But God so loved us that he didn't wait for us to seek him. He came seeking after us. He came knocking at the door of your heart. That's why many of you are sitting here today. Because God came knocking at the door of your heart. Jesus, his son, the way, the truth, and the life, so loved us that he came to this earth just to seek out a relationship with you and me. And today, as we jump into today's message, I've titled this, seeking a relationship. Would you say that with me? Seeking a relationship. We're going to be looking in the book of John, and most of the time you know I'll read a whole lot of scripture to you, but I felt like today that I would just explain this chapter 6 of the book of John and then read a portion of passage out of it. In this chapter, John chapter 6, 
Jesus has been ministering all throughout this Galilean region. And he's really moving in miracles, signs, and wonders. And the people are talking about him. They didn't have, you know, social media or World Wide Web. They're not texting one another. It's word of mouth that you hear. It's, his name is Jesus. I believe he might be the Messiah. I don't know. I, maybe he's just another good prophet. But look at my cousin. My cousin couldn't hear. And look, t- t- show him Tyrone. Tell him. Say, look, 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 look. Tyrone got it, see? And, uh, and, and they're talking about this thing. And, and Jesus moves into this area around Capernaum. And as he comes into this area of, of excuse me, this Galilee region, uh, the crowds begin to kind of come chase after him. They, they want to talk to him. They want to see more miracles. And so Jesus kind of starts climbing up the kind of the side of this mountainside. And he sits down and all the people come to the tune of 5,000 men, probably close to 12,000 people in total. And Jesus begins teaching them and ministering to them and, and praying over them. And, and miracles are happening. And in the midst of all this, he gets concerned about them because the sun is starting to set. And, um, and, and he's worried about them being... Uh, you know, not having food. And so he literally turns to his disciples and says, hey, listen, hey, we need to feed these people. How are we going to go about doing that? And he continues probably teaching. That's the scenario, at least in my mind. The scriptures are not real clear how it goes down. But And, and so the some of you know this story. You've been around the church a little bit or read your Bible a little bit. And so Jesus literally tells them, I need you to find some food. And they come back and they like, look, we found some little dude, some little kid. He had his little lunch left over. And we've got, you know, remember the, the five little loaves, and the two fish, which would have been not loaves and fish like we have loaves. I mean, we're Americans, so we have loaves. It would have been these little flatbread pieces, you know, just big, just as big as a, you know, a silver dollar or maybe just a little bigger. And he had five of those, just kind of basically cracker size. And he has these two little fish, probably, you know, not, not much bigger than a sardine. And, and they bring it to Jesus, and they say, what are we going to do with this? this? is all we could find to try to feed them. And Jesus says, give it to me. Bra- he prays over it. He breaks the bread. He says, go hand it out to them. And as they hand out the food to these people, it just begins to multiply. Somewhere over 10,000 people were fed to their full. And then Jesus said, go ahead and pick up all the leftovers. And they filled 12 baskets of leftovers. It was a miracle beyond miracles. The people could, as they are realizing... This thing, has, it's multi- they don't even know how it multiplied. Supernaturally, Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And in that moment, after all these miracles, and at this stage in Jesus' life and ministry, the people get fired up. They get stoked. They're like, he's the king. He's the one we've been waiting for. And they begin to decide to make him king, and the scripture says, by force. In other words, they're going to grab him up on their shoulders. They're going to go marching downtown to, you know, down to City Hall. And they're going to say, this is our king. They're going to tell the Romans, you bow before our king. King Jesus has showed up on the scene. And Jesus is going to call forth his angels. And the Roman armies are just going to fall down on their face. They're going to be beat in a moment. Just like Jesus and God kicked Satan out of heaven in a flash of light. That's what's going to happen to the Romans. Jesus, knowing that this is what they intend to do, climbs the mountain a little bit more. And so he starts going up a little higher into the mountain. So the people get up and they start trying to follow him. They're still all talking. The sunlight is setting. It's starting to get dark. He tells his disciples, jump in the boat, going over to the other side of the lake, which is about a 12-mile lake. He says, go on the other side, and I'll catch up with you later. So they get in the boat. They start heading over. Jesus climbs the mountain. It starts getting dark. The people kind of like, well, he's up in the mountain somewhere. I guess we should just camp out here for tonight because... What was happening, it was Jewish Passover time, the once-a-year big Passover in Jerusalem, and that they were actually, many of these people were on pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem. And they kind of get distracted by this thing with making Jesus king. 
And so as the disciples get in the boat and they head across the lake, nightfall happens and a great storm comes up and the boat is rocking, the wind and waves are crashing upon them. They know they're going to die and they look up and Jesus is walking on the water to them. And the Bible says it scares them to death. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, hey, be, be cool, it's me, it's me. The moment he puts his foot in the boat, the storm, the hurricane stops. And the boat is already on the other side. It literally transports the boat to the other side. And the next morning, when the people, kind of sunlight comes up, they're like, where's Jesus, where's disciples? And some people who, 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 early morning fishermen, and said, well, I saw all those guys late into the night make it to the other side. We saw them over there. And so the people get in their boats and find transportation because they're following Jesus. They want to make him king. And they get in the boats and they head over to the other side. And I want to pick up right there, if you don't mind, for a second. In verse 25 of John chapter 6, it says, And when they arrived and found him, they said, <clears throat> Sir, how did you get here? Verse 26, Jesus replied, The truth of the matter is that you the truth of the matter is that you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you believe in me. Verse 27. But you shouldn't be so concerned about perishable things like food. No, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that I, the Messiah, can give you. For God the Father has sent me for this very purpose. Can I kind of put this in layman terms? Jesus literally says to them, you're only looking for me for what you can get from me. You don't want a relationship with me. God the Father sent me to start a relationship. I have been seeking a relationship with humanity. I'm seeking a relationship with you. I want to know you. But the only thing you want from me is more food. You just want the miracles that I can give you instead of wanting a relationship with God in the flesh. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. This, this whole thing about Christianity, it's not about church services. It's not about preaching and teaching. It's about you and me knowing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, being best friends with Him. It's not about outreaches. It's not all those things are beautiful things that come from our loving relationship but if you don't have a relationship with him if you don't know him then you are broken and I am broken if I don't know him. he wants a relationship with his own creation are you with me today say yes he's been seeking a relationship with you he wants a deep relationship with you he wants to know you and he wants you to know him each and every one of us understand about relationships, those of us that are married, those of us that have friends or family or moms and dads. We know what it is to have a relationship, but somehow we get this thing confused when it comes to God, that we don't really know how to have a relationship. We don't really know what that looks like. We don't even understand that he's seeking to be in relationship with us. In fact, there are multiple passages of scripture that talks about that in that day of judgment, that many will come to him and say, hey, didn't I? Go to church and I prophesy in your name. Didn't I do all these good things? And he's going to say to them, depart from me because I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. I met you. I remember meeting you. You went to that Hill City service and you cried out to me. I remember that, but I never knew you. You never developed a relationship. We never became close in our relationship. And unfortunately, see, religion teaches you do these do's and don'ts. Do these good things, and that'll get you into heaven. And this is what most religion is based on. Islam, all these different false religions are based on these doing things. I, I need you to understand, that is not Christianity, and that is not the creator. The creator created you. 
He knows you. He knows your DNA. He knows how many hairs that you have on your head or those that you've lost. He knows everything about you, and he wants a relationship with you, so he sent his only begotten son to make a way that you and I could get back to him because our sins separated us from him. And what Jesus did when he died on that cross is he ripped that veil, that, that barrier between us and Father God. He ripped it open so now we can boldly come to God through Jesus Christ. This is the beauty because he wants a he's seeking a relationship with us. And like many relationships, sometimes over time, they don't develop properly. Sometimes they get a little bit skewed. In fact, I would love to teach you for the next couple moments about the different stages in a relationship. Write these down. I think they'll help you. There are four stages in any relationship. We start with the first stage. The first stage in a relationship is the honeymoon stage. Anybody been married less than three years in the room? Anybody? Throw your hands up. Okay. All right. Look, see, they still smile and look at them. They're so happy. Life is so good. They don't know what they don't know yet. Said all the people married a little longer. That honeymoon stage. You know that honeymoon stage. That stage where you're like, it's a, it's a whole new world. Friend, fantastic point of view. Oh, he's so beautiful. I just like him. He has something else in it. Uh, yeah. That's stage one, baby. It's so amazing to watch people, especially when they come to Hill City and they'll get their life right with God, and they're so excited. It's new. They've never had a relationship with the Lord. They've never felt the Holy Spirit like they're feeling right now. We're in worship, and they're just worshiping so passionately because it's new. It's fresh. When we first got saved, I'll never forget, we didn't know anything about God, but we had been wicked. And we met Jesus, and Jesus changed our life. We bought the biggest Bible we could find at the Christian bookstore. I know they don't have those anymore, but in our day, you had to go buy some at the Christian bookstore. We bought every Christian T-shirt at the Christian bookstore. Come on, somebody. We bought all the little, the little pieces that you stick in your Bible to hold your places. Man, we had all of I'll never forget, my mom had this giant Bible, and it was du dual translation. It had King James on one side and uh, Living Version on the other side. We didn't have any idea what King James was saying. Living probably wasn't the best, you know, theologically right, but uh, between the two, you could figure it out. And we were thee and thouing and would have thouing, and we were, and we were over, and in our church, man, they sang, and they sang all these songs out of the hymns, and we got a hymn, and we memorized those songs, man, it was karaoke, old school way, I'm telling you, it was awesome. And we enjoyed every bit of it. And then, we hit the second stage in any relationship, write this down, that second stage is what we call conflict stage. Come on, somebody. See, some of you are fresh to Jesus, and so you're still in the honeymoon stage. You're fre fresh into the relationship. But then there's this next stage in the development of any relationship, and that is conflict stage. Some of you, your marriages have never made it past conflict stage. And conflict stage is that moment where you're trying to bring things together, and you see it in a different way. And this is where most Christians get stuck at in their relationship with Jesus. It's conflict stage. It's that place where he says... I love you. You have to submit to my teachings so that we can continue in deepening our relationship. And we're like, whoa, I don't know. It's where our flesh, our sin nature meets this new spirit-led life, that the Holy Spirit living and abiding in us, and now we're convicted. See, before I was a Christian, I was not convicted about any of my sins. I loved my sin. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved to cuss you up one side down. I'd knock you out if you do something. I love it. It was so enjoyable. Threaten you. Man, listen, let's go. Let's throw some hands. And then I came to Christ. And the Spirit lived inside me. And then you would say something to me. And I would. And I would hear the Holy Spirit go, uh-uh, uh-uh. 
no, sir, that's not you no more. I'm like, yes, it is. Right now it is. <laughs> Conflict. Conflict. Some of you know that. You, you thought this marriage thing was going to be so wonderful and so beautiful, and it is. Mm. Until we're trying to figure out who's bringing the turkey. Right? And who, 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 why did y'all invite them? We said they were never coming back to Thanksgiving again. Conflict. Boom, 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 boom. Conflict. And many of us are in that place with our walk with Christ in our relationship with him. Because why? Because there's these things that, that he, he demands. If we're going to serve him and be with him, then we have to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. We have to be kind and gentle to those. The proof that the Holy Spirit's inside of us, according to scripture, is that we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And so there's that conflict because you still don't have self-control yet. And so there's this conflict. And Jesus is like, it's okay. I'm still with you. I'm not leaving you. Yeah, but I don't know if I want to be with you. This thing gets hard. This is where most of the Christians that I've been in, walked with in their Christian walk, this is where many of them quit on God. And it doesn't start just one big blow. It's, most people aren't so dramatic that they just walk away because they didn't get what they wanted from God. It starts as a little bit of time like, I don't know if I enjoy this. I don't know if I can live like this. I don't know if I, I can be with him. Like the, like the, and, then the, and then you get, you know, you get somebody at church that offends you, someone who, who, who posts something that you thought that they shouldn't post or say, said something from small group that they weren't supposed to say that was supposed to be private. And it, it, that conflict happens. And this is where most marriages, friendships, and, of course, our relationship with Jesus is where most of it stops. And the relationship stagnates, comes to an end, splits apart, is in the conflict stage. Oh, but... If you can make it through the conflict stage. See, the Bible calls it, literally, in, in, in the book of Luke, it talks about how the seed fell on good ground, rocky soil. And this conflict stage is well, you, the seed, that what God's done in your life, there's some rocks still, there's some weeds still left in the soil. And it begins to choke out, and your roots don't go deep. And, and conflict gives you the opportunity to decide, am I going to stay in this thing? And let the roots keep going deep. And you know this, any, especially those of you that live in, in this area, we got, that, we got that rock shelf, right? You got a little bit of soil, then that rock. And any tree, any plant that can break down through the rock, it needs time to break through that rock shelf. And once those roots get down past that rock into that next layer of soil, you're not taking that tree down. You're not pulling that plant up. And this is where most Christians don't realize, if you'll just stay with Jesus, I know it's tough right now. I know you disagree right now. I know you're having a hard time overcoming that area of your life that you're ashamed of. But just stay in the relationship. Stay in the relationship. Stay in the relationship. Because he's seeking a relationship with you that continues growing. Not a one-time kiss. Not a one-time weekend. Come on, somebody. He wants you, and he wants you forever. Are you with me today? Say yes. And if you fight through the conflicts, I don't agree with that. I don't, it, oh, I just, I don't, I don't know how to live like, I don't know if I can do that. Stay in the relationship. Stay in the relationship with Christ. Stay in it with him. And then what happens is those roots begin to break down through all the rocks. And it gets down into some good soil. And then that then brings us to the third stage in any relationship that will fight through conflict. And that is what we call the bonding stage. The bonding. There are people in this room that have been married 25, 30, 40, 50 years. Let me tell you something. They are bonded. They are bonded. I'm telling you something right now. Miss Donna Hart is here, and her precious mom and daddy, they were married, uh, how long, Miss Donna? 66 years. And they would, come, they would come to services here all the time, and I would walk over to them, and I would try to pick on, I'd try to pick on uh, them, and I would say, is that old boy treating you right? And she would step up to me, and she would say, let me tell you something. That man right there is the love of my life. 
And I was like, okay, girl, go ahead then. You know what had happened? They had been through some things over the years. They'd been through some conflict. They'd been through some hardship, and they were bonded. See, that's how I am with Jesus. I don't, care if, I don't care if the greatest preachers in the world say it's all a fake. We made it all up. The Bible was a lie. I know Jesus. We are bonded. Nothing can separate me from his love. And I won't do And I've been through some things. I've been through some times where I'm like, I don't want to be in this anymore. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And the David said it like this. He said, I looked at the wicked. They had no problems. He said, I looked at it, and I almost slipped. He said, I almost gave up. But he said, then when I got into the presence of the Lord, I remembered that their end is destruction, and my end is with the king forever and ever and ever in eternity. And who cares about all the great stuff they have right now? Because it will come to an end. And though I may be in hardship and I may have difficulty, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He calls me a son. He calls me his own. Are you with me today? Say yes. There's a bonding stage that happens as you keep fighting through conflict. I'm going to encourage some of you that in your marriage, too. Just keep fighting through. Keep fighting through. Don't give up on each other. Just keep on fighting through. I know this is a tough time, and this is in our Christian walk. There is a relationship to be had with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and if you're not quite sure of it right now, just stay. Just stay the place. Just stay the course. I'm going to keep learning Jesus. I'm going to keep growing in God, and I can't tell you how many. I'm talking about people who have been saved 25, 30 years, and all of a sudden they're turning away from God, seeing some of this stuff. Like, are you kidding me? Why? Because somewhere along the way, in the midst of that conflict, they didn't let those roots get a little deeper. And then there's bonding that happens as we keep fighting through. And here's the fourth stage in any relation, especially our relationship with Jesus. And that is what we call the production stage. That once you bonded, now you start producing. I mean, you start producing. And you start, listen, it is so exciting to be in the production stage with my Jesus. That people's lives are changed because he is working in me and through me to help others. Production. And so, and so, it's so beautiful to see that where I used to be is not where I'm at today. That there's production. That there, literally, I, because we're bonded. That thing about Adam McCain that was so embarrassing, you know, 15 years ago, five years ago, whatever it is, that I am growing out of those things. I'm maturing. There's production. There's movement. There's life. There's excitement. Jesus said, "I came that you might have life, and life more abundantly." And I and I am so grateful for what he's done in my life. And I'm so grateful for the relationship. But friend, can I tell you something? We're not talking about church services. We're not talking about giving money to the poor. And the reason why this is so important is because we're about to go into what we call the Christmas season. And the whole reason for the season is that Jesus Christ came so that we could have a relationship with the Father. And we can get that so skewed. And we, we read p different passages about the gifts of the Magi. And those things are awesome. And we got to do it. We got to learn those things. But at the end of the day, it's for one reason and one reason only because he was seeking a relationship with you and the response to us is to seek a relationship back with him and to know him and to know him deeply and understand hear him and hear him speaking to us and man we get to that fourth stage and we start helping others and life starts changing now, I mean, people's lives start getting changed through our lives. Why? Because we're one with him. And that productivity begins to literally change the world one hurting person at a time. Are you with me today? Say yes. Come on, are you still there? Say yes, because you didn't sound like you are. And I just want to just point out to you that John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, Jesus said, to kill and to destroy. He said, but my purpose is to give life, to give you that life. And give it to you in all its fullness. Everybody say fullness. fullness. Say it again. Say fullness. fullness. The Greek word for that, the original word, has a little different picture than probably our English word, fullness. It's peristos. And it's the sense of beyond. 
It's super abundant in quantity or superior in quality. And by implication, you'll see it on the screen, excessive. Jesus came that you would have abundant life, that you would live in this space of I don't need money to feel fulfilled. Come on, somebody. But I got all my needs met. I'm above and beyond what I could even think or imagine. The surprises of heaven in our lives. God is always, we are so bonded and we're so productive together that he surprises me with things all the time. All the time, it's like, Jesus, I can't believe you just gave that. I can't believe that I get to be friends with so-and-so. I can't believe that this sweet person is in Adam and Jamie's life and we get to love on them and they love on us. Lord, you are, it's excessive. It is perisios. It is, it is beyond what I can believe. It is the fullness. I came to give you fullness. So let me just bring this out to you. In your relationship with Christ, if, if you can't hear his whisper of encouragement when you're facing new challenges in your life, something's broken in the relationship. I hear his whisper throughout the day. If you, wait, if you can't wake up every morning and go, I'm so in love with you, Jesus, and I'm so grateful that we have a relationship, something's not quite established then for you. If you don't pray for someone, knowing the moment you pray for them that God's going to do something in their life, there's a, there's a break in the relationship. There's a lack of establishment in the relationship. There's, a, there's, a, there's an immaturity. You haven't grown in this relationship. Because when I pray for you, I know that God's going to do something. Because it ain't me, it's Him flowing through us in our faith. If you open the Bible and you don't hear His voice speaking to every part of who you are, Something in the relationship has gotten off a little bit. He's seeking a relationship with you. This is Christianity. I just want you to understand something. If you're still addicted to your old ways, not that you stumble, not that you fall, but addicted to your old ways, something's not right in the relationship. We all know what it is to be in a relationship that something's not right. Some of you have been together for 20 years and you don't even... Talk to each other from the depths of your heart anymore. Something's off in that relationship. You've got hidden things that you do that your spouse doesn't know about. Something's off in that relationship. And many times we take that right on over into our relationship with Christ. And that's why there's brokenness. That's, what, that's not, he came to give you fullness. You walk in the room and the moment you walk in the room, you know that God's with you. The moment you go for that interview, the moment that they tell you, hey, we're shutting down this job, so you know what, they may be shutting down this job, but my God, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, because I'm bonded with him, and we and we doing things together in this earth, and he will never leave me or forsake me. That's not just me quoting some scriptures. That is me telling you what my best friend tells me day in and day out. That's the confidence of the relationship that I have, because I have an ongoing, growing relationship, because he sought me, and I'm seeking him. Yeah. This is Christianity. Let me just, let me just, listen, it, it if you open, uh, if, if you're still gripped with pride and you can't admit that you're wrong, something's broken in your relationship with Christ. Because the first thing he teaches us to do is humble ourselves. It's the first thing that I've learned from him. Is that whenever I'm wrong, he whispers it in my, it doesn't matter if you believe, you're mad at me or not, he'll whisper, you're wrong. I'll go, can I just pause you for a moment? I'm so sorry, I blew that. Would you forgive me? Because his word says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He said, Pastor, I'm not like that. We've got to get that relationship right. Because something in that relationship has gotten skewed, broken, 
misappropriated. Somehow that relationship has, has over time or something, that, or maybe not the true bonding. You're stuck in conflict and you hadn't gone past it. And so with the weeks that are coming ahead, with just a few weeks we have left in 2023, as your pastor, my great challenge to you would be, let's tighten up the relationship. Let's tighten up the relationship. He's seeking it. He wants you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't not like you. He, he reached out to you knowing you were wicked. He married you knowing you were broken. <laughs> he loves you even though you're stupid. That's what he tells me all the time. You know I love you, stupid. <laughs> no. He calls us saints. Even though we still struggle with our own sin nature. So if I could for the next couple moments, I'd just like to give you some biblical ideas for enhancing the relationship. That you can close out 2023 and go into 2024 going, you know what? I may not have it all together, but I know my Jesus. And he knows me. And we've got a good relationship. So let me give you a couple thoughts from what the Word of God teaches us. Here's the first thing I would teach you to do if you want to enhance the relationship with Christ. And that is, where you failed, you need to ask for forgiveness. That's the starting point. You think about this in your own marriage or with your kids or with your family. If you want that relationship to get right, sometimes the first thing we got to do is sit down with them and say, listen, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. That last time we were together, I lost my mind. My temper got the best of me, and I said some things I really didn't mean. I would rather, you all hear me say this all the time, I would rather have a relationship with Jamie than be right in every argument. It took me years to get to that because I'm right. Well, I'm the man. But I realized that me having to be right all the time was causing her such hurt because of my dominant personality. And I, and I realized I would rather have you than to be right. So all the time I'm like, baby, you are right. That is, that's right. I was, I was wrong. Why? Because I'd rather have her. Wouldn't you rather have Jesus than to somehow be right about all this other stupid stuff? I just want Jesus. You know what? I just rather stomp on me, laugh at me, call me a fool. That's okay. Because I have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I have promises made by him that I'll spend eternity in safety and security forever in heaven with him. He's preparing a place for me. He's preparing a place for those of us who have a relationship with him. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He seeking after you on a day-by-day basis. The first step I would tell you if you want to enhance a relationship is where you fail. Just go ahead and admit it. Just go ahead and say, can you just, just forgive me? I, I, Lord, just forgive me on that. I, you know, I blew that one. Would you have mercy on me? And when you do that, let me tell you what happens. All of a sudden, you can feel the rush of goodness of God. I mean, uh, you just feel the rush of God. Just, you feel his just like a warm blanket coming over you the moment you ask for forgiveness. The moment you just say, you know what? I blew that, Jesus. I, I have... I have not told the truth in that, and I have been so busy that I haven't cultivated my relationship with you. Here's a second biblical idea I would teach you if you want to enhance the relationship. You still with me? Say yes. Come on, you still love me? Say yes. All right, y'all got quiet. I didn't mean to slap on you. I'm just trying to help you a little bit. Golly. Everybody, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. Here's the second thing I would teach you, and that is daily declare your commitment to the relationship. Wake up every morning and say, I'm yours, Jesus. Wherever you go, I go. Whatever you do, I'm doing I'm in this thing with you. I'm in it. 
I may not be perfect. I may not have it all figured out. But wherever you're at, I'm at. Whatever you're saying, I'm saying. Whatever you're thinking, I want to think. I am in a committed relationship with you. I'm not going anywhere else. I love you more than money. I love you more than success. I want a relationship with you more than any other person, any other plan, any other people, group. I want you. I'm committed to knowing you, growing in our relationship with you. Can you do that? Say yes. That's easy. Do you know, let, let me tell you something. If your spouse woke up every morning, grabbed you by the face, pulled you in close and said, I'm committed to you. I love you. And there's nothing you can do to get rid of me. You'd be like, well, go on ahead with your bad self. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. You go to work different. <laughs> oh, y'all want to fire me? Don't worry about nothing because I got somebody. All right. I got somebody going to be there for me. Do what you got to do. <laughs> Can you imagine what that does for a relationship that Jesus, because you know Jesus always wondering about you and me. I don't know. Is he going to stay with me on this one? I don't know. He might quit on this one because Satan's done hit him on that one. I don't know if he's going to stay with his father. I mean, we, we give him calls to doubt us. And so I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do for yourself and for this relationship is to commit yourself fresh every morning. Wake up every morning and so say, I'm committed to you. I'm going nowhere but where you go. I'm not quitting. I'm not, I may stumble. I may fall. But I'm telling you, I'm with you, Jesus. He's seeking a relationship. He tells these guys. He says, the only reason you chase me across a lake, you don't want a relationship with me. You just, you wanted me to do stuff for you. I'm here to have a relationship with you. To look deep inside your soul and say, I still love you, even though you've got wickedness in you. You're still mine. I want that with you. That's all I want. I don't need you to build buildings. I don't need you to go street witnessing. I just need you to love me as much as I love you. And I'm willing to give my life for you. Are you willing to give your life for me? That's what literally, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he's looking into these people's eyes. Thousands of them, they were ready. We got our king. No, 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 you just want what I can do for you. It's still about you instead of about me. I, God has come to have a relationship with you. And you just want food? You just want a steak dinner? Are you kidding me? God is here to have a relationship with you. And he affords you and I this. Here's the third thing I would teach you to do if you want to enhance the relationship with Christ. And that is seek wisdom for others who have a great relationship. Think about that in a marriage. If you guys are in conflict, you're not really doing real well. The wisest thing you could ever do is go find an older couple and say, can we ask y'all some questions? We've been married five years. Y'all been married 55 years. We have one question. How do you do it? Because I'm about to kill her. <laughs> and they look, they look, they always says, oh, baby. Pop will tell you this. The first thing Pop will tell you, serve her. Serve her. That's Pop's great wisdom. I, uh, we have all this marriage counseling, all these counselors and therapists. Well, what happened was in your childhood, you did not see a properly organized. And what you need, and, and Pop will just say, hey, bro, if you'll just serve her, everything will shift. And you watch these men, they'll come back two, three weeks later like, Pop, you changed our marriage. <laughs> Listen, it, it, it really, uh, go find somebody that's been serving God a little bit longer and say, look, I'm really struggling. I, I mean, I'm really struggling with this thing with Christ and this concept and I watched this YouTube video this guy says this and, and I read this in the Bible I was just ah oh, I'm so confused one of my great encouragements with you and we see that in, all throughout scripture Paul literally told Timothy he said listen follow me he told, he told that whole group follow me as I follow Christ he told Timothy I, I birthed you in the things of God 
He says, stay in the things that I taught you to do. Timothy had an older man in the faith to look to. And the Bible literally teaches us, let the older teach the younger. Why? Because they've been there. They, that bonding process has been a little further along than, than where the younger believers' bonding process was out with their Christ. And so, so it's really wise to go to someone who's been in this thing a little bit longer and say, man, I'm just really struggling. I, what do you think? What, what have you been through? How did you do this? How did you stay in the relationship when you really didn't have faith anymore? And here's the next thing I would teach you to do, and that is you should study his autobiography. And that's what it is. God wrote about himself. He used men to do it, but it's his on autobiography. Can I just say this to you, those of you that are married? Can you imagine if there was a manual? <laughs> Think this through about your spouse. You would go to that. I'm telling you, you would find that index 75A and say, what to do? When she don't like how she looks, oh my goodness, let me see what I do with that. What to do? What to do? I didn't mean to say that. What do I do now? You would read that sucker. You would memorize it. You'd call it out in the middle, middle of an argument. Hold on. Page 749, paragraph 4 says this. That's what you said. That's what you would do. You would, you would play that bad boy back. In fact, I got video footage of you saying this. God gave us his holy scriptures. It's his word. It is, it is there not so we can beat each other over the head with it. It's there so we can learn him. This is what he literally rebukes the Pharisees about. He says, you know all this word, but you don't know the God of the word. The, whole, the, the Bible is not so that you and I can argue doctrine. The Bible is so that we can know the one. We can have a relationship with the one. It's an autobiography about him and his ways and his nature and his people and how he, and over the years, how he worked with this group of people. It's a case study with the Jews. It's a case study with the, with the early church. It's all these pieces that, that we can get to know him by reading the word. And I know sometimes it's like, wah, 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 wah. but can I tell you something? When you're in relationship with him, you start reading it through the eyes of, I want to know you. All of a sudden things start jumping out and it starts coming down into your soul and you start feeling yourself changing like, ah, I don't like that about me. Lord, would you help me with that? And then his Holy Spirit comes and he begins to work that thing through with you. Why? Because he sent his spirit to live and abide in us, to help change us, to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us in this whole bonding process and the overcoming the conflict process and moving into the productive stage. This is what a relationship looks like. And here's the last little piece that I would teach you to do if you want to enhance a relationship and that is number, number five, mimic him. Mimic him. There is nothing cooler than when you see your kids do what you do. Isn't that so cool? You're like, ah, I taught him that. Oh, that's his mama's side. That ain't our side right there. We don't eat our boogers, buddy. We don't do that, okay? That's not my side of the family. When we start mimicking Jesus, when we start doing, when we start doing what he did in the middle of a conflict, say, can we stop right Can I just pray right now? That's what Jesus would have done. We start mimicking him. What that does is it enhances the relationship. 
Because, because he looks down and he says, that's my boy. That's my girl. Come on, girlfriend. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? Not what you did 2000. What are you doing right now in the cyber world that I live in? What are you doing right now? Okay, I see you doing that, and I'm going to mimic that. Okay, I'm going to do what Jesus would be doing in this moment. We, we all make fun of it. For years, we had the WWJD braces. What would Jesus do? Which was a great, a great reminder. That's someone who understood a relationship with Jesus. And so that I would go through my day going, what would you be doing right now, Jesus? What are you involved in? How would you speak to this? How would you engage with this? Lord, I want to do what you would do. Why? Because I'm mimicking the one I'm in love with. I'm mimicking the one that is the center of my world. See, in this relationship with Christ, he becomes the center and we follow him. And as we follow him, he protects us and watches after us. And we have all the benefits of a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is the enemy's plan to keep you from having a relationship. And I've watched people get so busy doing church work that they lost a relationship with the one that they were serving. And I had that in my life. There was a season in my life I was traveling all over the world. I was preaching. I was bringing down fire and glory, and I didn't know Jesus anymore. I couldn't hear his voice. I couldn't hear his whisper. I'd read the word to get a sermon to preach to people so they would like me. Went through this season where literally the relationship had kind of gotten skewed. And I, I was still in love with him, and he was still in love with me, and I knew he was there. But I had stopped developing the relationship because I was so busy doing for him that I no longer had a relationship with him. I was saved. I know I would have went to heaven if I had died. But the relationship had become skewed. And I'm just telling you, as we close out 2023, the last thing you want to spend the next four or five weeks doing is buying presents for every, everyone. And you don't even know who's the present giver. And you've lost a relationship. And it's become skewed. And it's become dead. And it's become shallow. It is time like never before for the church to have a real relationship with their God. And that's my challenge to us today. It's not hard. These few little pieces that I gave you can enhance that relationship. You wake up every day and you say, I'm committed to this thing. I'm with you, Jesus. I know I don't do it all right. I'm not like you in so many ways, but I'm not quitting. You talk about bonding, bonding. I'm sticking it out with you, Jesus. Come hell or high water, as the old folks used to say, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on me with you. I want a relationship with you. If you get nothing else from today, Understand this. Christianity is not a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship with the one who came and died on a cross. And only through him can we have a relationship with the Father. He says, if you see me, you see the Father. You come to me, I bring you to the Father. This is Christianity.